love this podcast? Head to patreon.com slash DATC Media Company to find out how you can show your support. She took me to a metal festival this summer in Columbus. We went to something called uh, Sonic Temple, and we're walking in the gates, and it's all these metal. She really loves metal, as well as jam bands. It just we share so much uh, music love. But but anyway, we we as soon as we walk the gates, we look over and see a big sign, Sober Temple. She says, go ahead, Dad, get situated with them. I'll see you at the seats. Awesome. <laughs> and Perfect. We were working our schedule out so that she, you know, she was checking the meeting list so that, you know, we were saving two seats in GA. We worked our uh, concert uh, schedule around when I could get to meetings. And when it would get to that time, she said, go ahead, Dad, you have to go to your meeting now. <laughs> Just A member of the DATC media family. Welcome to the Much Obliged Podcast, a Yellow Balloon Experience, where we talk to and explore the world of the live music fan base who have chosen to live drug and alcohol free. Each week, we will have a new guest and have a short interview with them and lead right into their speaker meeting that they share on our Friday night speaker meetings. New episodes drop every Monday at DATCmedia.com. Make sure to check us out on Facebook in our Facebook group called Much Obliged. And come on over to Instagram, where you can find us at at Junkie, J-A-H-J-U-N-K-I-E. Now on with the show. Then truth be told, if you are willing, and that promise is fulfilling, it's time to show. Hey, everybody. Benji with the Much Obliged Podcast, the Yellow Balloon Experience, and I'm here today with your co-hosts, Lauren and Matt, and our guest, Bill C. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Thank you for being here, Bill. It's good to see you again. Thank you. I I, uh, listened to Matt's uh, wonderful story uh, not long ago and thinking, God, I got to try and follow that. (laughs) No, thank you for that, Bill. I I, I know that feeling very well. Be yourself. Well, I got... I got on my knees uh, before we uh, started, as I would before I would speak, uh, you know, at a recovery group that I'm involved in. And I just asked that it be, uh, you know, not my words and just let me be a a, a vessel or whatever. Uh, not that I, I feel like I'm important enough to be so, but just, you know, just let me, if I can say something that helps one person, uh, then I'll be grateful. Lauren doesn't refer to me as a vessel. She refers to me as a tool, but I think that that's something else. <laughs> True story. True story. Uh, they Bill, need a clean and sober group by the way you just gave me an idea we they, need that a tool they they have one they have i'll one. do that it's called okay. i think it's called like sober tools or something like that it's <laughs> i think there is a group awesome. i need the pin if, if it isn't it should be it's almost as good as d-bags the, exactly yeah. um bill you've uh I'm going to say this generally, you're, you know, as an elder statesman in the, uh, in the yellow balloon community, um, you know, you've been around for a minute and seen the the change and the evolution and, and how the, how the world has grown. What do you think about the changes that have happened in the community? A, there being so many more groups than there were before and B, the, the different, you know, people and personalities and principles that are here now. Oh. That's an interesting question. I see right out of the gate, you like to bring it. What did I hear on one of the other podcasts? You all like to really uh, uh, catch us, catch us, uh, and keep us on our toes. But uh, for point of reference, I, you know, I, I got, I didn't get involved in the yellow balloon community until I was 17 years sober. So I've been sober 31 years, but at, at, so I had I don't even know that I had heard much about wharf rats, uh, even though I was seeing the Grateful Dead when they started in the early to mid 80s. I was so high that I was just unaware of their existence. But 17 years ago, when I got asked by my friend Rob to work, I'm pretty certain Much Obliged was the first table I worked and I and I became involved in the Yellow Bloom community. So, yes, for for as many years as that is, but not nearly as elder as as i am on the you know on the age chart uh to to answer your question um uh, this is one of the most exciting and i'm not patronizing you all i I think this is the one of most exciting developments 
uh, in increasing the awareness of the yellow balloon community and bringing it into the 21st uh, century, I think has been incredible. Um, you know, I think that that I mentioned how I was on Facebook um, until I couldn't tolerate it anymore. And there was a period initially when I was newer to the Yellow Bloom groups and newer to Facebook that I thought it was incredible, the platform that it provided and the access it provided and the exposure. But then with that came some downsides that I won't take the time of this broadcast. I think you maybe have all experienced them that was not so great. And I don't mean to suggest the yellow balloon communities why I left Facebook, but just the whole, just the downside to, to social media. I think you all have found a way to take the best of what um, the yellow balloon community can offer uh, and the development of friendships uh, that last a lifetime and so far expand and go outside of the yellow balloon that you see at a concert uh so I, I love this development as, as it's as it's coming through you all and, and i would just want to make that clear i hope i don't know did i answer your question no but i love it <laughs> <laughs> i'll take it i'm trying to think of a, another way to ask the question the world of of yellow balloons 20 years ago was was pretty small right it was the war frats uh the fellowship was just in its infancy and, you know, it was message boards and literally just a yellow balloon at a concert. And today it's it's almost like easy access. How does that change uh, your view of uh, a newcomer's ability to to find it and and get a hold of, of a yellow balloon? You know, I, I think that um, the way that you can communicate when and where the group is going to be like some of the, the networking I've seen over the last few years. Um, it, just before the pandemic, especially where here's where we're going to meet before the show. You know, if you're, if you're new, you want to get together, you need to establish, you know, you're, you're coming to the city. You don't know anybody. Uh, here's where we're going to meet. Here's how we're going to get together. And, and I had that experience a number of times, like going to Blossom in Cleveland, where, you know, I would be getting in my car and going to Cleveland, which is only like an hour and a half away but not really knowing anybody that I was going to see there. And the next thing you know, I'm getting invited to uh, people's homes uh, for, for pre-concert uh, picnics. And, and, you know, that wasn't happening at the, in the, at the inception, I'm sure. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that that has been a great opportunity for the newcomer to get exposure. Not only was that not happening in the inception of the yellow balloon communities, but it wasn't happening at the tail end of my using either, right? It was, you know, nobody was inviting me over to hang out and nobody was calling and saying, hey, I hope to see you there. You know, I got invited to a wedding at a fish show at Blossom because, you know, like I, I don't remember, it may have been through Facebook. It may have, I don't, I don't really remember what the platform was. I don't think it was MySpace, but, uh, you know, it was kind of like, you know, yeah, we know you from the Yellow Balloon groups. Come to our wedding. We're getting married in the lot, you know, at, at Boston. And it was, you know, amazing. And then, a, you know, a post, uh, I can't remember it was a picnic before or after the show. It was great. Yeah, that was, was Jay Lake's, cool. that was Jay Lake's wedding at Blossom. Exactly right. Beautiful. I had, uh, I found myself last week at a show that did not have a Yellow Balloon presence. To the best of my knowledge, they may do. It was uh, one of the less Claypool shows. And I found that it was, um lacking like i didn't really have you know that that anchor you know i was with sober people and everything was fine but it, it was usually you know there's a table or there are people that you can go visit or um you know a, a group of friends you know whether met previously or unmet um you know it was just really it was weird because i've become so accustomed to having that presence there you know and you had mentioned earlier bill about being at a metal festival with your daughter, you found Sober Table right away. And uh, could you expound on that a little bit? Well, well sure. We were um, like, we were literally just coming through the gate. Like we, we, I'm kind of, I mean, maybe y'all can relate to this. I mean, I, it, we go to so many shows and it's such an important part of our life that I have a routine and we're like, I'm, I'm always there to know where I'm going to park early. I'm, I'm ready to get into gates. We know where we're going to go sit. 
and, and as soon as we walked in the gates, there's like, you know, thousands of people walking in through these gates, like big cattle call. And you look to your right and there's a big sign, Sonic Temple. And so we knew, immediately knew that's where it was. And I walked right up to the table and I didn't know a soul there. I was surprised. I mean, I told him, I'm like, I'm thrilled. I only, I knew about it from the jam band community, right? But never expected to see it at a metal show. And it was the second year, uh, I think it was the second year they had it. And it was just like, uh, I, it was at, uh, you know, the fellowship in Pittsburgh or something. It was just, uh, it was great. And they had meetings two or three times a day. Uh, we went to a festival called Sound on Sound, which was in Connecticut and just about a month ago. Uh, and uh, you know, like it was John Mayer and it was a bunch of, of bands that that she liked and uh, Hozier. And uh, uh, there was, I can't remember what they called their table and it wasn't as easy to find, but I found it by vending and was able to go to meetings there. And it's uh Again, I don't know if, uh, but it, it's an important part of, like my daughter, um, she was six when I got sober and she still lives with me. And um, uh, this is a little off your question, but it has to do with the whole the whole scene. Uh, Benji, I don't remember if you were the one that got, I worked the table, it was a much obliged table when Umphreys McGee and Widespread Panic played in Pittsburgh. And it was 2015 and it was Father's Day. And y'all needed a volunteer. And somebody reached out to me and said, because they knew like I would I would work tables in Pittsburgh. And uh, they asked if I would work. And I said, well, so I said, well, hold on a second. I got to ask my daughter. And I said, you know, like uh, Brittany explained the situation. She said, well, can I sit at the table with you? So like she's not clean and sober, but, you know, we go to a lot of shows where she doesn't drink. And so I got to share, not only was I able to be of service to the yellow balloon community by having a table at the show. But I was able to share that experience, uh, you know, with my daughter where she literally spent most of the show at the table with me. Uh, and it's just, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that for me. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, um, I got to take Nama um, last summer to um, the Frederick Meyer gardens in Grand Rapids and they sat with me at the table and, you know, uh, yellow ballooners, you know, jazz junkies were coming up and introducing themselves and, you know, just talking. And um, it was really cool. I had a, had a great experience. So that must have been wonderful for you. And and having a table at a in Pittsburgh at a Umphrey show when they're with widespread is even more important because those widespread fans are are low brow, you know, bottom of the barrel drunks. So right. Really need to make sure to be there to support them. But to go, that's a great, true, but I mean, but to go back to something it's Matt said, uh, you know, going to shows where there aren't tables and how different that is. I, I always have stickers in my wallet and it used to be, and I hadn't thought of it in these terms until you said that, you know, whenever I uh, go to a show, I, whether I, that I know there's not going to be a table at, or at least I'm, I'm not expecting to see one. I have stickers in my pocket. Lots of times I'll have a balloon in my pocket. And if there's a set break or an opportunity and I can get people's attention, like people see my sticker, they want one, I give them one. Next thing you know, there's maybe eight of us that have never met each other before. We're at this show with stickers on. I'll blow a balloon up and stand in the back and hold up. And we'll, we call them renegade meetings. Like we just go ahead and have a meeting. And, <laughs> well, I'm going to call myself out on the carpet here. Lauren and I have been talking about these shirts that I made for Healing Appalachia that say much obliged on the front. And they've got a one show at a time logo on the on the shoulder so that you can see the the one show at a time from from behind so you've got the yellow balloon in front and and because i always put a yellow balloon stick i always put a one show at a time sticker on my shoulder so that people behind me can see and i've been saying oh i'm going to put this on my shirt website and sell it and you know give people opportunity to buy one of these and so by the time this episode airs that will be live and uh people can 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 buy one so um, Yo, Benji, I need a shirt, by the way. I know. I got to get one to you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. We got one to you and Matt. So. Yeah. Bill, I have a question for you. Do you have like a favorite yellow balloon moment or um, memory that just kind of sticks with you or has stuck with you throughout the years? Um, I mean, yes. Um, I'm getting chills. Think, I mean, so... 
I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon was always on my bucket list. Okay. This is kind of, I, I think you'll see the relation to your question here. I hope you do. If not, you'll cut it and that'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> um, and I, it was always on my bucket list. And I went to a business meeting and I was going to be near there, but not close. And I mentioned to my daughter, she says, you have to go to the Grand Canyon. So I um, reached out to a friend of mine, Tanya, who I knew from the Yellow Balloon. We had worked, you know, we had been at a lot of tables together and, and real involved in the Facebook Yellow Balloon community. And I knew that she lived out there. And I said, hey, I'm, th I'm thinking of coming to the Grand Canyon. Can you recommend a place to stay? Now, I didn't know her that well. I mean, I knew her from tables, right? She said, you stay at my home. I said, oh, I mean, I couldn't. She said, no, really, I insist you're staying at my home. So we get out there. I get out there traveling alone. Uh, she and her uh, partner put me up in their home. She happens to work for the Grand Canyon Park. Their home is a mile from the rim of the Grand Canyon. I am staying in their home in the Grand Canyon and her, I, I will say boyfriend, I'm not sure what, uh, drives, um, they're both in recovery, and they uh, they drive, uh, he drives um, tours and takes us on like a private tour. It's just like a dream vacation that would have never happened without the Yellow Balloon community. And then we got to attend a, a meeting, a recovery meeting, on the rim of the, of the park overlooking it. So that's one that comes to mind. And then a shorter one that, that I'll share with you is, is I was traveling with my friend Rob, who originally got me into the Yellow Balloon community. And we were going to the Capitol, I think it was, to see Phil and Friends. And uh, he knew somebody from the Yellow Balloon community, Jamie, that said, oh, yeah, you'll stay at our home. And they were like, you know, 15 minutes from the Capitol. And they put us up for the night when we were going like just so those aren't exact meeting memories the most touching meeting memory is the first time i was at a fellowship meeting at blossom and i looked around and there were 120 people at set break in a circle i was absolutely stunned you know like that there would be that kind of support at a jam band show yeah i mean you know, those stories, it's almost like the promises, but like intensified times a thousand because, you know, like that was your Grand Canyon. I mean, that is just, that's powerful. And it was even more amazing than you could have ever imagined, which, um, which checks out, you know, that's, uh, that's life and recovery and especially life uh, within the Yellow Balloon community. So thank you for sharing that. Well, and if I may um what you reminded me of is so at 17 years sober having worked you know like a, a pretty good recovery program i was stagnant and i didn't know it this is all retrospect this, this isn't stuff I, i'm self-aware of right and so i get asked to work a yellow balloon table and i find out this yellow balloon community uh it, it, it become uh, i become aware of it so what happens is the love that I've always had for live music and the love that I had for recovery get together and have a synergistic effect. And what developed out of that has really been life-changing uh, on every level. Um, I, I won't, but I could go on with story after story after story of that, whether it's running into Benji at the, at the fellowship table in Pittsburgh or whether it's, it's, you know, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, so anyway, I'll be quiet. Don't be quiet, please. <laughs> Keep going. Well, I want to say what I'm just, I was honored to be asked to do this. I was honored when I was asked to to share um, on the online meeting and, and anything I can give back to, to recovery. I could just never give back what was so freely given to me by, you know, all of you and everyone I've ever come across. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to give back. Yeah, thank you. Thank being you. Here, Absolutely. Really and, and it's our honor, Bill. I mean, your your ability to just have a straightforward, uh, sort of calm and serene, you know, message and presence always. It's it's one of those things that I uh you know that I look for, you know, when I when I'm standing in a in a general uh recovery room or in a yellow balloon like meeting or community, I'm looking for people who have what I want, which is calmness and serenity and a, and a sense of joy and peace. And, uh, you, you exude that, which is why, you know, 
uh, I like you so much. <laughs> what, a, what a compliment. I kind of like the, I was listening to the, the young man and his name I'm blanking on in the suit who brings all the energy. And Jackson. he has, I'm, I'm sure, great serenity and great spirit too, but it's like we're like a yin and a yang. You can get both sides, but you get the bring, people that bring it with you out of both barrels of gratitude and recovery. And you got me that's maybe a little bit more. Uh, hey, you're you're the Xanax serenity and he's the methamphetamine serenity. So we had to do better than that for him. <laughs> I will uh, retract that comment and take it back. And Lauren shaking her head, what is wrong with him? <laughs> I had somebody say to me this morning that uh, everything in moderation except methamphetamine, because <laughs> that's just not well, possible. I mean, yeah, whatever that means, it was just funny. Yeah. Well, thank you all. And with that, on with the show. Thank you. On with the show. On with the show. On with the show. Bill is a longstanding member of the Yellow Balloon Groups. When I started doing service work for Much Obliged and I needed people to host meetings, uh, Bill was on the list of folks that I could easily reach out to and know that he would fill a table, he would host the table, he would participate and um, get back to me on time and make sure that the table was done right. And, um, you know, being a guy who needs to coordinate a lot of people and a lot of things, a lot of times um, having somebody who is dedicated to service work and who takes that service work seriously is uh, is worth its weight in gold. And so I've I've always appreciated Bill. Uh, the beautiful thing is, as as we got to do that uh, multiple times, uh, I got to you know build a relationship with him and see how he interacts with other people, see how he interacts with his kids, see how he interacts with the music community, and um, you know in in the rooms they talk about. Uh, finding people who have something that you want and the serenity and the calmness and the way of speaking to people is something that Bill has that I want. And so I've, uh, I've always appreciated that, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately in the world of Facebook, you, you, you remember the people that are in front of you and Bill's no longer on Facebook. And so I don't know why I, I didn't think to have him speak here sooner. Uh, but the good news is because we waited this long, we get to have him as one of the early uh, podcast shows. And so I'm really grateful that Bill's going to share his story tonight. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to him. So before everybody mutes, we have this tradition of everybody unmuting and telling Bill how wonderful and amazing he is and how much we love him. So I'm going to do that now. You guys ready? Three, two, one. We love you, Bill. You're love, the you, Bill. Bill. love you, Bill. Love you, Bill. And uh, with that, the room is yours. Uh, hi, I'm uh, I'm Bill Consilis, and I'm a war frat. And uh, never sure what to call the much obliged Humphreys. Uh, I get I get a little confused, but uh, we're, we're jaw junkies. Jaw junkies, right? And then you change it on the uh, on the the post. But anyway, um, I'm honored to be here. I'm honored that uh, Benji asked me, and to see so many familiar faces. Um, I feel as though I've met a number of you who I can see on the screen and uh, and other friends who have joined us. Thank thank you so much. It's it's an honor. Um, I've been asked to share a little bit about you know what I was like and what my what my bottom was like and and what the yellow balloon community and what recovery has meant to my life. And uh, I hope to have a chance to remember to talk a little bit about the synergistic effect that took place when I was about 15 years sober and, and I was able to merge my love for live music and my love for recovery and, and how both benefited from that. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Um, I guess I should start by saying my sobriety date is um, April 18th of 1993. Um, I uh, got sober uh, primarily, I got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous for a number of years, and then I had an NA home group um, in Pittsburgh that primarily was started by a group of people that wanted to have a wharf rat meeting in Pittsburgh, but felt like there wouldn't be enough support for that, so they set it up as an NA meeting, and I've had the pleasure and honor of working um, a lot of the different yellow balloon group tables. I, I think probably eight or nine of the different groups have had the honor of working uh, working tables on a number of occasions. But anyway, so the, there were four boys in my family. Um, I was uh, the third, 
son and my two older brothers were kind of significantly older than it was me. Then I had a younger brother who was uh, quite a bit younger. So I, I felt like I was kind of a loner from the beginning in a, in a sense. Um, you know, I've heard other people in their story talk about how they felt like they were alone, even, even in a crowd. And I could certainly relate to that. But, you know, my two older brothers were very close. Um, and, you know, this was during the 60s. Uh, we were growing up and they were kind of, uh, they were high school, college age when I was when I was junior high school. For those of you that don't know, that's what middle school used to be called. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, I, you know, we, uh, there was always alcohol in our house. Um, you know, my our parents, uh, always i mean my dad had a couple of drinks every day after work they always entertained with alcohol um it was just a regular it was just everywhere and uh but i don't ever remember uh drinking i did try to sneak a bottle of beer out of our parents house once when i was nine and uh my older brother caught me I, the bottle of beer uh, was with a bottle opener uh, for those of you that don't know you, you used to have to use an opener to get a beer open you, they didn't have pool tops but uh, uh, anyway, my brother heard them clanging along in the shoebox, and he and he told my dad about it. He, my dad called me down to his bathroom on a Sunday morning before he went to work, and uh, he had me chug the bottle of beer. And I think he was trying to discourage me from drinking, and and I, it worked because I didn't drink really after that until my the second semester of my freshman year in college. Uh, and I, I do think it was interesting that the way my drinking started by chugging that beer and throwing up is pretty much how my drinking ended <laughs> by chugging beer and, and throwing up. But um, so anyway, I, uh, I get sent away to a private high school, a boys school, uh, I think for a couple of reasons. One, I think my parents were just burnt out trying to raise uh, uh, one beatnik and, and one hippie through the through the 50s and 60s. And, and when I came along, I just was have an untreated ADHD kid uh, with no attention span going to a big school district and and I was uh, faltering so they sent me to a, a boarding school and again that fit into my uh, played into my not feeling like I fit in uh, because I was you know staying at the school with kids from all over the world and then I'd come home periodically and for the summer and wouldn't know anybody at home anymore because I wasn't in school with them and uh, the summer uh, the winter before my uh, uh, senior year in high school, I was playing hockey uh, at a local ice, ice skating rink and started hanging around with some kids there. And then the following summer before my senior year in high school, I started hanging out with these kids again. And uh, one day I was invited to a party. They knew I could get my mother's car. Um, we drove to this party about 45 minutes from Pittsburgh. I was given something. Something about the way I partied is is I never asked what it was or what it was going to do or how long it might ask uh, last or what the side effects may be. I just I just did it. I was a garbage can, and uh, you know as I said, I you know being an AA, I'm used to saying that you know I mentioned I didn't start drinking until the second semester of my freshman year in college, but now I'm partying at 16, and you know you can figure out uh, you know I did drugs for. Uh, a year or so before I started drinking. So I took a hit of this stuff uh, without asking what it was. And I was uh, told later that it was uh, STP, something that Bear from the Grateful Dead kind of was uh, credited or, or blamed for bringing to the world. But it was like a three-day hit of acid and speed. And, uh, you know, I was living at home with a dad who was a doctor and a mother who was a nurse, and I somehow pulled it off for three days of not letting them know that I was partying. And so I started right from the beginning of learning how to hide my behavior and um, went away to the uh, my freshman year, uh, excuse me, uh, my senior year at this private school and was was getting high in the woods up there, even though they had a policy that if I had got caught doing that, um, would have absolutely gotten thrown out of school. And one of the things I learned in, in doing the steps of recovery was that I never cared about the consequences of my behavior. I always did exactly what I wanted to do uh, when I wanted to do it for what I'd get out of it. And then I know the only reason I didn't get caught is I always did it alone. 
And again, I've heard other people speak about their partying and they'd say, well, then I started to drink alone and it really got, I mean, I was drinking, I was partying alone right from the beginning. Uh, didn't, didn't seem unusual to me at all. Uh, went away to college, um, getting high the first semester, second semester, hanging out at the bar with a bunch of my fraternity brothers. And they were surprised when I entered a beer drinking contest. And then I was surprised when I won the contest. And then I just added beer and alcohol to my armamentarium of, of what I was doing. And again, I was just, I was a garbage can. One thing I want to mention about college, and then I'm going to be done drinking here pretty soon, but, uh, you know, I booked entertainment for the college uh, and it was supposed to do it for one year and I did it for three years. Um, you know, I, I used to think that I wasn't any good at commitment. And, and what I came to find out from doing the steps of recovery was that I was good at committing to things that I like to do. I'm just not very good at committing to things I don't have any interest in. So I, I, I the reason I bring this up is we, we had a, an amazing faculty advisor who had a lot of contacts. And we booked a lot of groups like New Riders of the Purple Sage, the Eagles, Billy Joel, um, I mean, the list goes on and on, the groups the groups we had. And I met all of these people, Chicago, yes. I mean, I got to party with all of these people and I have no recollection of meeting any of them. There's a picture of me introducing the Eagles in our gymnasium. I know I partied with them. Uh, when I first started to speak in recovery, I would say that alcohol stole those memories from me, but I've come to believe that alcohol never stole anything from me. I freely gave uh, everything up uh, because I, I put drugs and alcohol first. So um, so anyway, I uh, graduated from college, got a job in sales. It was perfect for a guy who liked to drink like I did. And, uh, you know, I, I was sharing a house with a friend from college who drank a lot like I did. And he started making money and, and that became his higher power. It became more important. He started cutting back on his drinking. I dated a woman through the disco scene. That is not something you would ever want to see pictures of. Uh, but she drank a lot like I did. And then we got married and we started having kids. And that became more important to her uh, than drinking. So she cut back on her drinking. I never let anything become more important to me than my partying, uh, not even music. Uh, in fact, the last year of my drinking, I, I don't really, like the last year, the last decade, the 80s, I don't really remember the music scene in the 80s at all. I had even quit going to or listening to the Grateful Dead. I was just literally partying uh, and, and not even enjoying music, which has always been so important to my life. So anyway, um, Easter of 1993, um, my, uh, my, my wife and I weren't really even spending holidays together at that point, but we were going to meet up at her grandparents and, and she told me not to drink and I got drunk and, uh, rendezvoused with her at her grandparents. I had a big red cooler full of beer hidden on the back porch and, and thinking nobody would notice I was drinking. And when we got home, she said, that's it. You, you've either got to stop drinking or you're going to have to move. So, for the sake of time, I'm going to speed that up a little bit and just say that, you know, it took me a week uh, before I got to the AA meeting she knew about, and I got into AA, and, and fortunately for me, I got exactly what I needed to get sober. I got a, a sponsor who was a no-nonsense sponsor that I couldn't, I couldn't BS, I couldn't pull anything by him. Uh, he told me he wouldn't be calling me because I didn't have anything he wanted, uh, he, he asked me if I'd do a couple simple things, you know, work some steps, get a home group and be active in it, uh, pray, you know, have a higher power, uh, and, and, and don't drink one at a time. And, and fortunately I, I started to do that. I, I do want to mention at six months sober, I was following most of his suggestions, but I was still thinking about drinking all the time. And he had suggested to me, that first night at a meeting that I get on my knees and I ask God for help without a drink. And I was not going to turn my will and my life over to the care of God um, until I figured out God. And so I was doing, you know, I was just thinking, trying to think my way through it. And I called him one afternoon and told him that I was thinking of drinking. 
And he said, Bill, this is a very dangerous game you're playing. You have to get off the phone, get on your knees, and ask God to get through the day without a drink. And then he hung up on me. And I didn't realize it at the time, but what I've come to believe is that when I got to recovery, uh, I was my higher power. Um, I, I let this group become my higher power. Then this man became my higher power. And he fortunately knew the literature that I follow that no human power could relieve my alcoholism. And when he hung up on me, I had nowhere to turn but to a higher power, uh, God. And from the day that I hit my knees after he hung up on me, I have not had the compulsion to drink. And that's been, you know, like 29 years. So that's, when we talk about miracles, that's one for me. Uh, you know, this format, I've not, I've not had an opportunity to be at one of these meetings, which I'm sorry to, to say I will be coming in the future. But I think for the sake of, of I think the message I want to deliver for this group, I'm going to kind of fast forward to about 15 years sober, um, you know, working the steps, uh, going to meetings all the time, uh, sponsor, home group, active. Uh, going to live music, not really enjoying it. I remember the first concert I went to clean and sober that I could even focus on the music was the Plant Page reunion tour. The first time they got together as a reunion tour. I don't remember what year it was, but I, I was some years sober. And but I just wasn't, you know, I was focusing too much on the scene that was going around me and really having trouble connecting to the music. And uh, a friend of mine, Rob, who used to live in Pittsburgh, Rob and Michelle, were real involved in the Yellow Balloon community. And Rob asked me to work at a table. And I don't remember what table it was, but I, I, I don't even think, I don't even remember having heard of the Wharfgrats, even though I'd seen the Grateful Dead, I don't know how many times live. I just, I just wasn't, uh, I think most of the times I saw him may, may have actually been before the Wharfgrats. But anyway, I, he, he got me involved. And what happened at that point is, is looking back, I think as active as I was in AA, my recovery had become a little stagnant at about 15 years sober. And when he introduced me to the Yellow Balloon community, the Yellow Balloon group, Camp Traction, uh, all the different tables, um, Camp Traction, for those of you who don't know, is clean and sober camping at festivals. And I get introduced to that at, at Jubilee, which... I attended eight or nine times. Uh, but anyway, it's there was this synergistic relationship between my love of live music, which was able to come back to the forefront because of the Yellow Balloon community, and my love of recovery that I can't put into words how they both exponentially improved because of that interaction that relationship and and i'll be forever grateful for that because what has happened over the next 50 almost 15 years is that uh, music again has become the most important part of my life after my recovery and my kids it's music and it's something that i share with my older daughter uh to this day and she knows when we go to dead and company this summer or we go to fish or like when we went to Tab not long ago, I mean, she knows during set break where I'm going to be. In fact, um, a couple of the yellow balloon experiences that I remember most fondly uh, in my life are uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, Umphreys was playing, I think they were with widespread panic, and it was on a Father's Day. It was an outdoor show, and I got asked if if I would work the table. and. Um, I, my daughter, my one daughter lives with me. My other daughter lives in Hawaii with her mother. And so I, I spoke to the daughter who's here and I you know, explained to her, I know it's Father's Day, but I have this opportunity. They really need help at the table. I have this opportunity to, to be of service. She immediately, she interrupted me before I could even explain it. She said, can I sit at the table with you? So I spent that Father's Day working the, the table in Pittsburgh with my daughter at the table with me. And it's just... You know, I can't even put into words what that what that memory uh, brings to me. And then um, the other show that really comes to mind is is I was talking to Kevin, uh, who's the longtime uh, 
camp traction coordinator uh, for clean and sober camping. And he lives uh, in Indianapolis. And, and he called me and he said that there was an Umphrey show. I think I asked her, I think it was called White River. It was an outdoor venue. And uh, there was nobody on the table. He had seen a post that they needed a table. You know, he was thinking of going over, but he didn't want to go alone. And I, I said, well, I'm only six, seven, six hours away. The show starts, uh, we have to be there at doors at seven hours. I'll come down. So I jumped in the car and drove down and he and I went to White River and worked the table together. It was a beautiful day, a beautiful scene. Just that Umphrey's put on an amazing show. And we got to work the table together. And then I crashed on his couch and, and came home the next day. And I mean, I've traveled all, uh, well, not over the world, but all over the country with Yellow Balloon folks. Like I, I wanted to go to, um, I always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. So I, I messaged uh, some people who I had met at, at Jubilee at Camp Traction and said, hey, can, I need a place to, you know, can you recommend a place for me to stay near the Grand Canyon? And they said, sure, you can come stay at our place. And these were people I only knew from like the Yellow Bloom groups. And uh, I said, okay, cool. So where do I go? She said, well, just come to the, the uh, Grand Canyon gate uh, when you get here and ask for me. Well, so I get to the gate of the Grand Canyon. There's cars lined up forever. She works as a ranger for the park. She directs me into the great through the gates. She says, you get on here, you turn right. Their home was in Grand Canyon Park, about a half mile from the rim. And it had always been my dream to go there. Her boyfriend, who I also knew from the Yellow Balloon groups, gave tours of the Grand Canyon in like ATVs. And he took us on a tour of the Grand Canyon. I mean, just, and I got to stay in their home for a couple of days. I mean, where do you, where do you meet, where do you develop friendships like that? In any other, I've never experienced anything else in my 70 plus years of life to where I've met people where I can develop relationships like that. And it's, uh, it's, I owe it all to recovery and to the yellow balloon groups and the people that came before me and, and gave the service like Benji and others in this room to keep the yellow balloon thing going. And uh, I'll be forever, ever grateful. I do just want to say, uh, too, I still have a little bit more time. I think um, that, uh, you know, when I got, when I quit doing drugs and drinking, um, I was, um, my, my wife, uh, really hated me. My boss wanted to fire me. I had $40,000 worth of unsecured credit card debt. Uh, that was in addition to all the other debt that we had that she did know, did know about because of all the, you know, the utilities and the mortgage, they were all threatening to, to turn everything off uh, and throw us out. But I had $40,000 worth of credit card debt that was being mailed to the office that she had no idea about. Uh, just my life was my kids didn't know me they were six and three they were always in bed when I left in the morning they were always in bed when I got home drunk at night um, you know I left to my own device and left to my own opinions my uh, life was a mess um, today now some 29 years later um, I mean I have a, a I have a, a, a the kind of relationship with my ex-wife, who I said lives in Hawaii with our younger daughter. Um, you know, I know our daughters still consider us a, a family of four. Um, it, it's certainly not a traditional family by any definition, but that's how they still uh, consider us. We're in a a family text chat that just blows up all day long, and and uh, you know it's. It, I just remind myself that when she, I, I didn't destroy my fourth step when my sponsor in AA suggested I do it. The fourth step, for those of you who don't know, is where you kind of take a, a, an inventory and write it all down, even in a general way of everything you did that kind of got you to the mess you were in. And uh, I didn't destroy mine. And she found it when I was a year sober and threw me out the next day. And I have to remind myself that everything I wrote in that fourth step happened to her in the 20 minutes that it took her to read it when she found it that day. And uh, so when I'm getting the 40th text of the day from that family chat, I have to remember uh, 
how I ruined their lives for so many years and, and how grateful I am to have an opportunity to have a living amends on a daily basis to, to do right by them and to do everything I can to be the kind of father and the kind of ex-husband that they expect me to be. Um, you know, my boss uh, is, he's happy with me. He wants me to work there. His boss is not so happy right now, but that's another story for another lead maybe or another time. But, you know, I'm gainfully employed. I'm actually thinking of retiring in the next uh, couple weeks. Uh, my daughter and I have some music festivals to go to in May. And um, I'm involved on a committee of something called the Cook Forest Conference, which many say and believe is the oldest recovery conference in the world. There's a group in Canada that says they're first, but doesn't really matter. It's been around for 50 some years. And uh, that's in May. And I'm, I'm thinking of actually retiring before that all happens in May. And, you know, I'm from a man who had to, to file bankruptcy in recovery, uh, who was such a financial mess when I got there, I'm certainly not going to be wealthy. I won't be getting fifth row tickets to anything anytime soon, but I'll be out on the lawn or I'll be in the building somewhere, even in the cheap seats, still going to shows. So I'm I'm really grateful uh, to Benji for asking me to speak. It's it's an honor. Uh, it's a little bit of a different format for me. I I, I prayed about it, and uh, this was the lead that I I guess I was supposed to give. I do just want to give a shout out to Humphreys before we leave. I don't know if anybody can see this hat, but uh, I got my old Bassett hat, and uh, like a good old fanboy, he signed it for me. Uh, he always, uh, from his Pittsburgh roots, whenever they come to Pittsburgh, um, and when I would work the table, um, he, he likes to wander out in front of the venue stage AE where they play there a lot. And he's usually wandering out there before the shows. And I've had an opportunity to speak to him a couple of times. He's always been a, a, just a really cool guy about it. And, and every time I do speak to him, even briefly, I tell him how honored and grateful that we are that the group allows us the opportunity to have that yellow balloon presence at, at their shows. And, and he just smiles and he's, and he's grateful that we're there. So um, thank you very much. I think with that, I'm going to pass. <clears throat> Thanks, Bill. I, uh, Bill. I really appreciate your share. Uh, the room's open if anybody wants to share anything. Yeah. I'm kind of new to this. I was uh, kind of just got getting into fish in the last couple of years and uh, you're, your story there was really inspiring to me. I'm, I'm kind of new to recovery. I'm 33 days <clears throat> and uh, music's thanks. Music's really important to me, you know, and you know, most of the people I speak to at the AA groups, you know, I did 42 meetings in 33 days and um, feeling better than I have in decades. But, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't go to shows, you know, you're too early and that type of thing. And I just, I love music so much and it means so much to me and I've lost so many shows like you're saying that i just don't remember them um you know i went for one reason or the other but um anyway i just wanted to say it was really inspiring your, your story and, and gave me hope and uh that's all i have to say thanks i'd like to share if that's all right please um one of the things that you said bill um i didn't i didn't get a chance to write it word for word but i think i got the gist um that i i think i might cry when i say it but you said, I freely gave everything to alcohol. And I thought for the longest time, like alcohol was the thing, right? That was ruining everything for me. Um, but I, I, I allowed it to happen. I freely let that happen for the last 20 years, you know? Um, and when you said that, it changed my perspective completely on what the fuck has been going on in my life for 20 years. So, um, I want to thank you for saying that um, because it has given me something new to grasp onto um, and see my, my recovery a little bit differently. Um, because I mean, go, like, I mean, in the show perspective, you know, I, 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 I've been to three sober shows so far um, and all the, all the rest of them, I don't, I don't fucking remember, you know, remember parts of them. Um, and sort of, you know, like what a waste in, in so many ways. Um, but I just want to thank you for saying that. So your story was amazing. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Shannon.
Uh, I'll jump in. My name is Mike, great for recovering alcoholic. Uh, really good to hear you, Bill. Uh, good to be here with all of you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still wrapping my mind around meeting all of those stars. Let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, you know, all these, you know, some people want, who is yes. But the funny thing of it is you don't remember a bit of it. You partied like a rock star and you didn't remember, you know, and, you know, but you're still here. That's the cool thing. And still sharing a good message. And, um, you know, when I came in, I, I'm sure you heard it too. When you came in, uh, you know, we're the lucky ones and we are all of us here tonight. We get to be clean and sober. If we don't pick up a drink or a drug one day at a time and we get to go uh, participate in live music. And uh, Bill, I met through, uh, I didn't know that he was in recovery. I just met him at, you know, shows. And uh, then I'll once, one day I find out he's in recovery too. And then, you know, I meet the wharf rats and I, you know, I don't know if the yellow ballooners are separate and then camp, uh, camp traction. I think that's really cool. So if you are not part of that and you go to live music, get involved with it because, you know, all day long, there's, you know, people hanging together and dancing together and having a good time together. And occasionally, uh, you know, a couple of people end up, uh, you know, walking into, hey, what's this all about? You know, and that might be their first uh, experience. And, uh, you know, the fact that we're still above ground and breathing, you know, much less clean and sober and enjoying music. That's a miracle in itself, Bill. So, yeah, um, uh, you know, I was probably more involved with a lot of people when I was partying. But, yeah, I was like you too, a garbage can. So I related to that too. <laughs> Put it in front of me, I'd take it. But um, yeah, good to hear you. I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, I, we connected somehow through the through the uh, airwaves today. And uh, then I found out, lo and behold, here you are uh, going to speak tonight. And I'm glad you let me know about it so I could uh, hear you. Um, glad to call you friend. And uh, thanks everybody for being here. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a. I don't know what's our. We use clean and sober music fan when we were at the camp tractions and. Uh, that's when I uh, met Bill, circa 2012. Um, that was my first festival, not using the second one ever. The first one alone, like not with who I'd previously been with. It's like my second music thing. I, I went to a I went to a Dark Star show in Ohio, and I saw my first Warfret table. There was a guy named Lefty there. And a few years later, due to Bill, I uh, ended up working my first yellow balloon table with Lefty, the first warfare I met at a table in Columbus. Um, I, too, am one of those people that, like, there's the recovery people and there's the music people and then there's the yellow balloon people. And the yellow balloon people, they get it. They understand, they understand the recovery part. They understand the music part. And I like them a lot. And, and I'm glad we all get to be here and to do this thing. And uh, I hopped on tonight because I saw a post and I missed my friend Bill. And, uh, you know, it's funny how things work. And I'm I'm glad we have the the yellow balloon groups to be there for us. So we can be there together. Thanks for sharing. Hey, y'all. I'm Tammy. I'm a war frat, alcoholic, addict, yellow balloon enthusiast in Philly. I, too, saw Bill was speaking, and I miss you. I was like, I got a hot one. Thanks, Benji, for posting that. And, um, yeah, it's great to see you. And I uh, I loved what same, same thing for me. Sometimes people go, oh, that's so cool. You actually got to see shows when Jerry was alive. And I'm like, I might as well not have even been there. I don't remember, you know, just like you said. Um, and I love, love, love the story sharing about your daughter and working the table on Father's Day and the family text and just all those amazing miracles and gifts that recovery gives us. And uh, I have no idea where we met, which is like that story that you shared about, you know, uh, with the Grand Canyon people that I know too. And like, I don't know, this is amazing. These yellow balloon groups, you know, that we just have friends far and wide. And it's like, I don't know where I first met you somewhere, some yellow balloon table that's all over the place. So just uh, again, was excited to see that you're speaking tonight. So I wanted to hop on and support you. And thank you so much. Hey, I'm Chris Alcoholic. 
uh, war fraud, I guess. Um, I was thinking, because, uh, you know, I think Bill mentioned like the first time with the war frats and meeting them. I, the first time I uh, like was introduced to the war frats was like 1994. And it was at the DC Grateful Dead show. And, uh, you know, we're in the hallways and um, we come to the yellow uh, balloon group and I'm like 18. And I'm asking my friends, like, what's up with these yellow balloons? And he's like, oh, there's a wharf rat. And he's like, and I didn't really, I didn't know what it was. And I thought it was really cool. Um, and I was just like, wow, it smells really good over here. You know, it didn't smell like the typical uh, dirty hippie um, smell. <laughs> so we kind of like hung out by there, a little alone, that little I know that I would be like part of it. And I remember like the, the first table I went to, um, uh, Warfret was like in Polaris. Uh, no, it wasn't Polaris. Blossom. Yeah, it was Blossom. Um, Dead and Company. I think it was 2018. But the uh, the um the first time that I got a long period of sobriety, I think I saw like 20. I went to 26 concerts in in one year. Um, I always went by myself in case something got weird. Um, I could duck out or I could like find a Warfret table if there was one. Um. And uh, with Bill, yeah, I live in Pittsburgh, and uh, I've seen Bill around the uh, the area like back in the day. Um, and like you can see him at concerts because he's like the tallest guy there. You're just like, hey, there's that guy from the AA meetings, you know. And uh, and then one day he uh, he put a note on my sticker because I had like Warfrat stickers or, or a note on my car because I had Warfrat stickers on there, and. Uh, and some uh, bunch of grateful. I had like 120 stickers or something like that on a Jeep Cherokee 96. And he's like, whoever this is, and he right on the nose, like, whoever this is, come find me. And uh, so that's like when I, I started talking to Bill. And then, um, you know, I went out for a little bit, came back. And then, uh, you know, an afternoon, Bill, uh, the first time around. And uh, I really liked everything that, um, that I, he said when I talked to him. So I, uh, you know, I asked him to be my sponsor, and he's my uh, sponsor for the last two and a half years. Uh, he's a great guy, and I'm glad he's in my life. And that's all I got. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Um, I'll share quickly. Similar to Bill, I always find it uh, um, jarring when people share about this stuff because it's not sort of the typical um, thing that you hear in the room. But I was also, you know, a, a, a user a drinker who partied alone most of the time. And this, you know, I was under the impression that I was the only person who did that. And part of that was my circumstances. Um, I was in a, I was in a boarding school for high school. My parents had shipped me off and said, you can come home when you're not an asshole. And I never got to move back home, but I was, I was living in this boarding school and uh, my mother passed away when I was in 10th grade and it was a religious school. And they essentially said to me, uh, as long as you fly under the radar and don't embarrass us and don't embarrass us publicly and force you force us to kick you out, you know, uh, you know, we understand that, you know, staying here is a better situation for you than going home. And so I developed this, you know, system of using and drinking by myself in my dorm room, you know, under the radar you know, I'd, I'd go out with friends and I'd party with friends and do that thing. But like the the job of getting loaded was not one that I did with other people. The job of getting loaded was one that I did by myself. And, you know, that carried over into college when, you know, my friends and I would go out and we'd party. We'd go to concerts and we'd go to events and we'd do all, all the fun stuff that you can do as a 20, you know, early 20 something year old in New York. Um, and then everybody else went to bed at 11 or 12 or one o'clock in the morning. And, um, and that's when I, you know, I, I broke out my stash and, and, and brought out the bottles and the paintbrushes and, and, and the, you know, the pencils and whatnot and did whatever it was I was going to do. And sometimes I just wandered the city for, for hours and, um, did it by myself. And I thought that, that were like, that lonely existence was something that I thought was, unique. And when I hear people talk about that in the rooms, I'm always like, you son of a bitch, where were you when I like, <laughs> why couldn't we be alone together, you know? Um, and, and, and it always amazes me, um, you know, to hear people share that perspective. Um, 
you know, and, and, and the other side of that is, is when you hear people say like, it was fun until it wasn't, you know, uh, you know, I was doing it and it was, it started off as a good time. And then all of a sudden, like I had no control that, you know, there was, there was no choices that were being made. There was just impulses that were being, um, fulfilled. And so I, you know, I'm grateful to hear that, you know, there is a solution, right? You can come in and and be a a physical and mental, emotional and financial mess, and turn it around and and live a good life and and have kids who love and appreciate you and and spouses and exes who love and appreciate you. Thanks for sharing. I, I want to jump on and just um, express uh, just how you know grateful I am for first speaker and everybody in the yellow balloon groups. I liked when you were talking about. Uh, how you were sober and got stagnant and then found found the yellow yellow balloon people because I, I experienced that as well. I met, um, you mentioned Kevin. I met Kevin at my very first um, camp traction and that um, opened a lot of like doorways in my mind as far as what recovery could be. And um, there's not a lot of people in my town, but like anytime I meet somebody new that's kind of like-minded, I, I, I go off and add them to all the different groups and that kind of stuff. And um, it's really been a highlight of my recovery. And I've, I've been able to be of service at a few different camp tractions and tables over the years. So like, um, I credit a lot of me being around to the yellow balloon tables and, and people just like everybody in this Zoom meeting. So just want to say thanks for, thanks for sharing your story and thanks for being here, everybody. That's all I got. I'm Sarah. I'm in recovery. Um, I remember you, Val. Um, I've been on a relapse and I just, I just, I got back uh, and I got a year in, in, in September. So I'm really happy to be back where I'm at. Um, and I'm super grateful for you and all the wharf rats and everyone that has come before me because I couldn't get, I, I don't think I could do it if I didn't know that there was a way to see music with other people that were um, clean and sober. And, uh, you know, and the yellow balloons, man. If I, I didn't know about them. Once I found out about them, I was like, all right, I can give this a try. And that whole part where your sponsor hung, hung up the phone on you, um, you had to rely on a higher power. And uh, I totally, like, I get that now. Um, and I feel like the reason why... I relapsed is because I put my higher power in my relationship and um, I only got to a bottom and realizing that um, since like September, like it had to, it had to take a really hard bottom in recovery for me to like realize that. And uh, yeah, I, I thought your share was great and I'm super grateful that I joined in even though I'm doing my laundry. So uh, thank you. Hope to see ya. I'll jump in real quick. I'm Josh, I'm an addict, uh, member of many yellow balloon groups. And um, I just wanted to say thank you, Bill, for your share. That was, um, I really appreciated your story and, um, uh, and to the rest of you who've who've jumped in as well, um, and I'll also just kind of echo the sentiment that the connections that we make in the, in these types of communities have been just really special to me. And um, and it's you know I I'm a little over twenty months sober, um, and uh, it's my first attempt, no relapses yet. Trying to keep it that way. Um, so um, I, I feel like uh, I, I know that there's a lot more uh, experience, um, you know, out there uh, and a lot of stories that I've heard and that I haven't yet lived through. And um, but my initial, you know, when I knew it was time, uh, I was really apprehensive about going to, um, you know, a 12 step program and still am kind of on the outskirts of that, but kind of tiptoeing around it and figuring out where it makes sense. But yellow balloon groups um, were right up my alley, um, you know, because I, whatever I was ready to give up, I wasn't ready to give up live music. And 
the yellow balloon groups were where I wanted to be, which is at a show, not at a, you know, at a church nearby as a, as a, you know, probably atheistic or, you know, at most agnostic Jew, uh, hanging out at a church for a meeting isn't really my idea of a good time. So <laughs> the yellow balloon groups where we all have something in common um, and are, you know, all trying to support one another um, is in one of the, you know, I, I was going to say maybe in one of the slipperiest environments that there is, um, but then I, you know, call back to, uh, you know, something Benji said about, you know, using a loan and, um, and when, when you're an addict, they're, they're all pretty slippery. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, share my appreciation and gratitude for, um, for this group and, and the communities that, that we're all a part of. Thanks, Josh. All right, we, uh, we have a fun tradition of uh, holding hands with the person in the box next to us. And Bill, if you take us out, we usually do the dude version of the serenity prayer, but whatever tickles your fancy, it's yours. Dude. Dude. Grant me the serenity. serenity. To accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the, the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming yeah. back. Keep coming back. Love all y'all. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Thank you all for being here and all your kind words. Yeah, I needed this. Thank you. Thanks, Bill.